Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. That would make me your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Hello, Chris. I'm hoping today's minute uh, goes a little better for you than Wednesday's minute. So, I'm not going to lie. The beginning is okay. What really makes this minute is is the second half. It is one of one of the best moments in the Star Trek movies. I mean, wow. we're treated, you know, when we're we're treated to, um, you know, the performance between Shatner and Nimoy at the end of Wrath of Khan when he's when he's stuck behind the you know the glass and you can't get to him and you you know you're you're bawling your eyes out. I see this second half of the, you know, the minute and into minute, you know, 88. It just is some of the, the most, again, they get you at the end, you know, tugging at the heartstrings. And it, and it is just DeForest Kelly, fantastic performance. Wow, cool. All right. Well, we should get started then. Uh, mm. I, all right. Um, so we are talking about uh, minute 87 of The Search for Spock. Uh, minute 87 starts with Scotty and Sulu watching the Genesis planet explode and ends a minute later with McCoy asking for help from an unconscious Spock number five. <laughs> Spock number five. Number five. Which I guess is the final Spock. Yeah, this is the first time we uh, we also get a full-on view of Leonard Nimoy. That's true. Yeah, it is uh, the Spock we know and love. Yeah, he's been kind of hidden up until this point. Yep. So, uh, all right, well, let's let's dive back to the beginning then, right? So we get a sure. uh, it starts with a little bit of more of Genesis, chunks of Genesis flying out into space, and kind of um, Sulu and and Scotty, you know, watching. Scotty's smiling about it, which is kind of, kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I feel like he looks like he's having a heartwarming moment. <laughs> a little bit, and I feel like I don't. I don't understand that. Like, this isn't like the end of Khan where they form the planet. The planet is destroying itself right. with all the destruction around it. You know, they lost Grissom. They lost everyone on the planet. The Enterprise blew up. Well, I don't think I'd be smiling. Yeah, I think, I think that'd be the last thing I'd be doing. <laughs> right. We barely made it out by the skin of our teeth. On a plan that probably was doomed to fail if everything didn't go their way. Maybe that's why he's smiling. Wow, he's like, "Wow, we made it! I can't believe we made it." Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so Kirk, uh, you know, gives his farewell, says goodbye, David, almost under his breath, kind of whispers it a little bit. Mm. Uh, I, I, I really like that that moment. I wish mm. they had hung on it a little bit more either before or after or both you know just to kind of give it a little bit more weight right um, you know it just makes me like uh you know he couldn't even bring his son's body home you know he had to leave him on the planet um, <clears throat> which i guess yeah, in some ways I, is poetic it's david's planet right but a little bit yeah i mean i th- i think we've we both have talked about 
just the missed opportunities with you know David and this movie and um, just how they sort of handled his death as sort of you know wiping their hands of him and you know even to the to the effect of you know when David gets stabbed it's sort of like okay he got stabbed and then they move on with other stuff and then when Kirk finally sees him he puts his coat over him and then it's okay back to the task at hand and here while I do enjoy how Shatner portrays it and you know goodbye you know goodbye David and I, I don't know if I don't know if there was more they could have done there but I I do feel like David has been shortchanged here I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't Peter Preston. He wasn't just a bit player that we see for you know two minutes. He was integral to this whole thing. It was his, like you said, it was his planet, his process, his lie. His lie. Well, it was. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It was Kirk's son. I think sometimes we forget about that too. Like Captain Kirk as a son. You know. Yeah. What could have been. Yeah, granted, he's a scientist. He went that path with his mother, but you know, it's still kind of, it's kind of cool to think of all the adventures they could have, right? Kirk and his son. Right. I didn't want him gallivanting across the universe. Nope. Now he's part of it. Well, maybe if he did, he might still be alive. Oh, burn! Burn! <laughs> I'm just. No, that was that was an awful thought. Um, all right. Uh, Sulu, we are clear and free to navigate. Um, David, could you please create for us a new T-shirt for our T Public store that is just Sulu saying we are clear and free to navigate? <laughs> I will uh, see what I can do. I've got a couple of – we've discussed other T-shirt options that I'm going to be working on as soon as I get a free moment. I will add that to the list. Okay. There's <laughs> something about the classic – the classic Sulu lines, you know, just the stuff he says over and over and over again. I love them. I could listen to him like on repeat, you know, um, and that's one of them. I think, I think he said it in Wrath of Khan too when they left, uh, when they pulled out of space dock. I, I could be wrong. Right. I might be misremembering, but um, it's just one of those things that just makes me smile. Like ah, oh, even in this moment, this <laughs> we just had this you know heartbreaking moment of saying goodbye to David. Sulu saying free to navigate makes me smile again. Although not yeah. Scotty. Now Scotty looks sad. Yeah, he actually, you know, um, I'm just going to back up one second. He actually does say that. Um, I happen to have the, the script up for uh, Wrath of Khan, and he says, um, Sulu says ahead one quarter impulse power, and Sulu says we are clear and free to navigate. Yeah. See? So he, yeah. So now we need two t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> one Wrath of Khan, one Searcher's Pock. There you go. All right. Uh, best speed to Vulcan. Kind of forgot that's what we're doing. Oh, yeah, we got to go to Vulcan now. Was that what yeah. he told Savick he was going to do? Uh, not Savick, uh, Sarek that he was going to do? That he had to go get Spock and bring him to Vulcan. That was That's the mission. I think that was, that was ultimately the mission that he wanted his body. Right. They needed McCoy and that Sarek wanted his body. Only his mind had, you know, only his body had died or whatever. And I mean, I guess, I don't know. Did he, did he really, at this point in the movie, did he really need to get the body? Like ultimately wasn't the, you know, we've said it all along. Wasn't the ultimate goal just to get the, 
the Katra out of McCoy and into the Hall of Heads. I mean, wasn't that really the the goal? There was no bringing him back from the dead. Right. That's yeah. Jeez, now I'm, now I'm probably misremembering it, but no, it was uh, Sarek and Kirk had their you know confrontation. You know, you should have brought him home. It was his wish. Yes. And he said, you know, he made no no request. Um, and then once they find out McCoy has got the Katra in him. McCoy, then they break him free, right? That was like, let's go. Yep. Uh, but there was no, we didn't really see the detailed plan between Sarah and Kirk. That was that happened off screen. Yeah, there was no, we're going to go get him. Right. All right. Best be the Vulcan, and then Mr. Chekhov take the prisoner below. Which you know, Chekhov was just standing there. Could he look tinier? Yeah, I know. Really. Well, I think John Larroquette's fairly tall. Who's that? Ha ha ha! Gotcha. You're a funny guy. How do you know John Larroquette's tall? Actually, I guess he kind of, now that you say that, yeah, he was pretty tall in Night Court, right? He's yeah, he was pretty tall in Night Court, yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, Sulu's got the drop on him with this disruptor. He does. Yeah. Don't you think if he was a real Klingon and not the buffoon that he portrays, that the moment they get out in the hallway, he takes down Chekhov, like he literally does some Klingon move and somehow gets the the disruptor away from him and just kills him. Yes. I don't, I don't think, I don't see Sulu even with the disruptor winning that fight. Is it the honorable thing to do? Like to, okay, you guys got me. You can put me in the brig or is it more honorable to say, I'm going to kill this, kill all of you. No matter, no matter what I think it's the honorable thing is, is you killed my commander. I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. 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 I agree. He should have gotten him. Well, that just, that just, you know, raised uh, my uh, estimation of Chekhov then. He, he got him down to the brig and with, without incident. Sure. Which, which begs the question you've asked last minute was, why didn't Malt just beam him to the brig? I know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. So many questions. Uh all right, so let's like, can we just finish our commando discussion we had from Wednesday? You know, from Wednesday. Um, yes. So Maul said, "Wait, you said you would kill me." Kirk said, "I lied." I just wanted to say it like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Sully, you remember when I told you I was going to kill you last? That's what you yeah. Said you said that, Matrix. You said that, Matrix. <laughs> I lied. Oh dear. We need to do, <laughs> we need to do commando minute. <laughs> See how many? See, you know, I know Commando's like why well, it's famous for its for its death count, right? Like, I forget how many oh, yeah. hundreds of people die in that movie. That would be a fun one to see how many how many deaths occur <laughs> in the minute segments. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which minute has the most deaths? Mm-hmm. Someone should get on that because I'm not doing it. <laughs> do it, do it now, do it now. Okay, so I think uh, from here it gets into the this is the. It switches to this, I guess, the sick bay. Yeah, or someplace, someplace quiet. Mm. And this is where we finally get to see uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, asleep. He's asleep. He's asleep. McCoy's there with him, and yeah. So this, uh, I, I like, I, I like kind of how this this plays out. You know, he's asking Spock to talk to him, and you mm-hmm. stuck this damn thing in my head. Remember? And then he kind of, when he says "remember," it like. You can see it gives him an idea. Like, oh, is that the magic yeah. word? I need to say that to unlock everything. Yeah, remember. 
Yeah. Um, so I like that. I thought that was a nice, nice touch. Yeah. What do you think of the choice of so? You know, we get a good shot of McCoy over, um, you know, of uh, Nimoy, uh, Nimoy Spock, and you know he says remember, and then we change focus and we're we get like a different view of Nimoy Spock. His hair looks weird, uh, almost Frankensteinish. You talking about Spock's hair? Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of his haircut uh, from the beginning of uh, the motion picture when he's on Vulcan. And he's about to purge yeah. himself of all emotion. That right. the r- ritual was off the top of my head. Uh, but he had a pretty a pretty shaggy Vulcan do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little little bit of a here. You'd think it would be longer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, he yeah, aged. I mean, he's not, How many he, years I, he, he aged? He, I don't know. He aged a lot, but you would think that over the time that he was there, that yeah, his hair would be, you know, get a nice ponytail going. <laughs> exactly. That would have been funny if they actually played that out. It's down to his waist. <laughs> um, so yeah, his hair, yeah, looks a little, little, little funky. Um, I had read somewhere. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it was a a quote from DeForest Kelly about this scene. Mm. Um, and he, he, he was uh, pretty sure he was joking, but maybe he was half serious that um, you know, he was talking about Leonard Nimoy as a director. And, you know, Nimoy had to direct this scene. Um, but he said, he goes, I could have sworn that, you know, he was like, you know, twitching his lips and his eyelids and stuff to give me more direction as I was trying to dr- deliver these lines <laughs> as he's sitting there on the bed, laying there on the bed. I just thought it was funny. So now I'm like watching him, like to see if I see any weird blinks or anything or eye movements. I think there's one... One moment where uh, Nimoy purses his lips a little. Um, yeah, I could see it. Emote more. Yeah. It's like, give me something. <laughs> Green-blooded, inhuman. Is this the... I mean, this scene, unfortunately, gets split in half, right? So there's more of it in, in minute 88. But, you know, is this the... You were talking about it at the top of the episode. Is this the, the, the Wrath of Khan moment... You know, so we you had the moment with with Kirk and Spock. Right, yeah, Spock this died. is sort of yeah, this, this is, is sort this of McCoy's the, moment with him. Right. I mean, I think it even you know, uh, not to go too much in the next minute, but I mean, I think it even goes further in terms of that tugging of the heartstrings because you know we're we're, we're privy to their relationship and sure. how they were you know. Again, they, they, they did the perfect thing by putting the Katra and McCoy because it was, you know, they weren't the best of friends. They were friends. They were close. But it wasn't like the relationship that Jim and Kirk had. It was a different relationship. It was very adversarial. And I think even now, you know, McCoy is, you know, that's what makes this scene so touching is that, you know, remember? Now, now tell me what to do with it. Help Help me. Right, and and even when he's looking at him, he's you know, I I have to wonder what his what he's feeling at that moment, like, you know, to see him alive, and knowing that he has his Katra in his head, like he's got to be the well of emotion. I mean, I, I can only imagine what he would really be feeling. Yeah. Yeah, what is, you know, uh, we, we've talked about it 
a few times over the season, you know, that we never really know what's, what Spock is going through inside of McCoy's head. Right. You know, we never get that view of Spock as a Katra, right? Uh, and you wonder if there's anything anything there right now. Does, you know, is Spock's Katra aware right. that he's near his body? Right. Uh, and that, that would be that'd be kind of cool to see. There was, there's a, a moment, I feel like we've been referring back to the novelization a lot lately, but um, there was a cool moment um, in uh, in the novelization when McCoy first shows up and, and sees Savick. And uh, Savick has a, a reaction to McCoy being there, like to, I think I think that mm. he might brush up against her or something when they're all like yeah. down. Or, he brushes up against her and she like re, you know like jumps back. She has a flash of that Spock, like she knows right. she knows that Spock is in there. Um, mm. And uh, it's it's kind of cool. I think there's like two moments similar to that. Yeah. Um, which, how would she know? How would she know though that Spock is in there? Uh, it doesn't it doesn't really elaborate, but you know it's. You know, they're, you know, um, you know, Vulcans are kind of, what is it, is tele- telepathic? Is that the right, the right word? You know, mm. you know, contact, you know, physical contact, yeah. you know, they can kind of, you know, read emotions and stuff. So whatever, you know, their, her bond with Spock must have been so strong that to just brush up against McCoy, she sensed him there. Something, something along those lines. Um, which is, you know, just kind of, you could explore it in so many ways. Like even in this scene here, you know, McCoy's like, remember, you know, remember, you know, you know, I almost want to see McCoy like try to, you know, touch Spock's face, mm. you know, to see if he can, which, you know, wouldn't work, but it'd be interesting right. to see him try and do that kind of re- try to reverse it. You know what I mean? That would be, yeah, an interesting thing. Yeah. Or he could go the airplane route where he shakes her really hard and then slaps her across the face, you know, from the, the girl in the seat. Yeah. We need another tension breaker. <laughs> uh, more comedy I think that's all I had for this minute did, did you have other stuff? I didn't and uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed that this minute has been sort of broken up in this way because I feel like you know before, as I said at the top of the episode I, I feel like this is this is fantastic DeForest Kelly acting you know his the, the amount of emotion he's displaying here his concern his bewilderment his sadness his you know confusion i mean everything that he's that he's going through it's just it's yeah. it, 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 he's, he he does just such a brilliant job and I, I can't say enough about this scene it's a good point too i guess when you think about you know mccoy's always that lovable snarky guy right or he's you know a right. curmudgeon or whatever and yeah he's he's he's, he's he does a good job he's helpless here he's helpless and it comes through and it's it's yeah um yeah, maybe that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's definitely helpless. Yeah, because he does. Yeah, he's like you know he's help me. All right. Well, yeah, I agree. It's too bad the minute didn't split differently, so we could just be talking about this entire scene. But that just means we have more helpless McCoy to talk about. On yes, Monday. we do. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's wrap it up. Let's go enjoy the weekend. Um, it's Friday, guys, and uh, so I just want to do a kind of a follow Friday and a shout out to uh, um, our our peers in the Movies by Minutes um, 
podcast format or family, the Movies by Minutes, Movies by Minutes family. Um, there's actually some new ones that spun up this week. Um, mm. And uh, apologies, but the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Flash Gordon Minute. And I, yeah, I think uh, I think Indiana Jones boys are back. Yep. Um, with uh, Last Crusade, so yep. that's uh, you know that's always worth a listen. Those guys are are very funny. Yeah. Um, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Flash Gordon. Uh, uh, that's probably one oh, of me too. Yeah, me too. One, probably one of the earliest movie memories I have because I think it was it was in 1980 or something. I think I was a little too young to see it, and there was just some like there's some gross stuff in that movie that still like I think scarred me. Uh, so, uh, but I'm a huge fan of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely check them out. Um, but like we've said before, if you're a fan of any kind of movie, you should go check out moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, that website catalogs all the movies by minute podcasts that are out there. Um, chances are, the movie you love is being uh, broken down minute by minute by uh, a podcasting team. So uh, check them out. And uh, we're gonna be back on Monday talking about minute 88 of the search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye.